This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fraction shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including from companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as one dollar. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million users on Robinhood today. Listen, my listeners or listeners of Blue Shirts Breakaway can start by getting a free stock by going to blueshirts.robinhood.com. That's blueshirts.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation for any of, of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The, fee, the free stock program is certain to subject – uh, to certain limitations, annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. I will get better at that as I go. Big show today. I have our friend Jeff on talking about his trial and tribulations of being a devil's fan. And we go through a bunch of different things from Tony D'Angelo in this entire week. So let's get to Mark Messier, shall we? Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one range of podcasts. Welcome to the Beginner Wishers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, of also of The Athletic. Greg, say hello. I'd like to open today with a statement. Okay. Okay. Before... <laughs> okay, go on. I was going to open up with something else, but I think I know what it is. Go on. I just I want to say, um, after today's breaking news, that it is it is clear that Carlos Beltran is innocent of any wrongdoing. Yeah. If he was guilty, so he would have been suspended. I was going to give you a, a list of topics. I was going to say, hey, we have some choices to open the show. We could talk about Igor, uh-huh. Igor Shesterkin, who I still pronounce incorrectly. Point. We could talk yep. about Georgiev's trade value for a prediction you made. We'll get to in a second. Uh, not important. Yep. Tony D'Angelo, another hot week. And, He's uh, welcome, but not important. Yep. Uh, I got married. And then uh, I was thinking the last – Most most not important. Yep. And then I was thinking uh, Carlos Beltran would be the last one in his innocence. So I'm glad you chose the one I believed you were going to choose. It tr- truly shows that I do know who you are. Okay. Anyway, uh, so you were saying – did your Wi-Fi cut out or are you still there? I cut out for a second, so I have no idea what you said. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So what I said was it shows I truly know who you are uh, in Carlos Beltran. So – he got away scot-free. Uh, would you like to save that for the end of the show or just get out of the way now? Well, you might as well get out of the way now. Uh, I get why he didn't get punished. I don't. Um, I actually oh, don't. Yeah. It's simple. Uh, one, Manfred said that he will never hold the individual players. Was, like This was Manfred's words back in 2017. He said uh, when it comes to sign stealing, he's not going to hold individual players responsible. He will hold organizations responsible because it's the organization's duty to understand the rules and correct behavior that is in violation of those rules. Okay. Uh, second, the most obvious one to me is 
he just doesn't want to deal with the players association. He doesn't want to have to deal with mm. arbitration. He doesn't want to have to deal with hearings. He doesn't want to have to deal with uh, punishing pl- punishing teams that signed players when they weren't on those teams when the infraction happened. Uh, it's I, I I think it makes perfect sense. It's just too many variables go into the fact that um, you know you, you can't like is Jake Marisnik going to get suspended. 20 games because he was a part of the 2017 Astros and, and now he's the Met. New York Mets. Yeah, probably not. Uh, it's just a, it, your gut reaction. I know you said, uh, we said someone asked us this on, this on Twitter. Did you feel like the punishment was enough? Because to me, I truly don't feel that way. I just, I, mean, what, I would what treat. Do want, what, do you want them, what do you want them to do? Like, I guess, what, what, what do you want them to do? I guess both the GM and head coach got fired, so that's, the one-year suspension doesn't matter at this point, right? It's sort of a permanent thing. Right. And, but the draft picks, like, that's just so limited. Draft picks are $5 million. That's, like, nothing. In, in and the draft picks also eliminate your, your spending power in the draft. They're not just losing the picks. They're losing the slots assigned to those picks. Got it. So the Houston Astros, when the New York Mets have, like, $9.5, $10 million to use on uh, signings, for the players they do draft in the 50 rounds there is in the MLB draft, the Astros are going to have like $3.5 million to sign the players they want to sign. So you're not, just losing, you're not just losing the first and second round picks. That high schooler that you may have wanted to try and uh, buy out of his college scholarship – it's going to be awfully hard to do it if you're the Houston Astros. All right. Well, let's uh, – Adam Fox just scored. We're recording during the game. The Rangers are now up 3-1 against the Islanders. So that's good news. That's your boy uh, keeping your keeping your back there. Let's get to the Rangers. We'll go back to Carlos Beltran later. Been an interesting week. I don't even know where we want to start. Do we want to start with Leas? Do you want to start with Tony? Do you want to start with Georgiev? I want to, I want to, start, I want to start with Tony because it, it obviously lit up our Twitter when it was happening. Um, I threw the, so I threw the rabbit ears on the ice, and he didn't put them on his head. Actually, he didn't first, even respond. First and foremost, uh, Tony, you're welcome. You are, you are. I didn't realize I needed to fire you up like that to get that kind of performance out of your game. Gregory Credit. There he is. You are. You are welcome. I did it. I'm responsible. Nobody else, not even Tony, is responsible for what he did in that game. It is clear. <laughs> See, are, you're you're not taking your responsibility for Saturday. You're just taking responsibility for New Jersey. Hey, good Tony, bad Tony. It okay. is what it is. I, we didn't record another podcast of me trying to tell him uh, that the Rangers should look into his trademark again. So obviously, without that motivation, Tony D'Angelo reverted back to his old former self. Mm, makes sense. Uh, so I guess I'm sorry for that one. Um, but it's just it was just funny because we post that podcast in the morning. We do. And I felt like – For we, people that we don't know, about, we, we recorded a, uh athletic trade – value assets piece where we went over the uh, trade assets for the New York Rangers, including one of them being Tony D'Angelo, who was ranked like something like 15th in that trade column. Tell me it was my boy Adam Fox who just scored the third I goal. I just said that. Yep. I just wow. just said it. I literally just said your boy Adam Fox scored a third goal. I didn't hear that one. I figured uh, much. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. The, the, the funniest part about it is we – I mean, the funny part about we're gonna get we're gonna talk about the funny part about it, and then we're gonna talk about the shitty part about it, right? Yep. The funny part about it is the reason why we said the Rangers should look into trading Tony D'Angelo was has nothing to do with whether we think he's a good defenseman or a bad defenseman. In fact, it's us saying he's having such a good season that it benefits the Rangers to see what his trade market is because he's quickly pricing himself out of the Rangers' long-term plans. The Rangers don't appropriately 
use him in their lineup if they want to pay him like he deserves to be paid. He shouldn't be paid like the third best right-handed defenseman on the Rangers. He should be paid like what top four defensemen, but the Rangers don't want to use him in the top four. So what are you doing there? It's a waste it's a waste of money allocated to a superfluous asset. And then it's it's the fact that other teams are finally seeing what Tony D'Angelo can do offensively to make up for the fact that defensively he still isn't what you would want a defenseman to be. Then you add in the fact that the one position where the Rangers have accumulated so many assets that they could actually shop a talented player is a talented player under team control is on the defense because the guy's not even here. The Niels Lundquists, the Keandre Millers, the Igor Rykovs, the, the Matt Robertsons. These are guys that can fill that void for the New York Rangers, even if they can't play as well as Tony D'Angelo is playing right now. Again, the role the Rangers would expect those guys to play, it can be filled from within, which is not something we can say so readily about their forward ranks, which is why it but, doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense to trade Ryan Strom right now. But we're not. I want to make cl- clarify that we're not out here saying we need to trade Tony D'Angelo. Neither of us. No, no. But it's the New York Rangers, like all smart organizations should do, should evaluate what assets are most valuable and whether that valuable asset can then be turned into filling a need for this team, which we understand. The Rangers' need defensively is more system as opposed to talent. The Rangers' need at forward is more talent as opposed to system. So if you can take from a strength to address a weakness, you should always be willing to do that, which is why everyone is so confident and comfortable with trading Alex Georgiev. And that's why you should also be comfortable trading the New York Rangers' third-best right-handed defenseman because another team might not view him as the third-best and you should take advantage of that team. I think the, it, it's. I think Tony's legitimately changed his narrative over the past week. I know he had a really tough game over the weekend, uh, and he got pretty. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, I look. It, it was a hat trick. It was a five point game. It's great, but let's. It's not one, just that he had say, one one game. He's been point producing all season. He's been all season exactly. So don't use the one game to try and say he's changed his narrative. It, the narrative has been here all season. The fact that Tony D'Angelo has talked about in different ways as a player this year. It's been a season-long conversation. The five-point game highlights that, but the five-point game is not the evidence of that. Uh, just like the St. Louis game when he didn't pull up the points and was struggling defensively, that doesn't fly in the face or put – it doesn't spoil the milk. He's still having a great year despite the St. Louis game, and he was having a great year before the five-point game against the Devils. So, like, take out the last two games, and we're still having this conversation – about Tony D'Angelo. Don't let recency bias play a role into that. We're talking about a guy who's been successful, more successful than not, for 44 games this year going into the night. And it's, it just so happens that he plays on a team with Jacob Truba and Adam Fox, who are better all-around defensemen than Adam Fox will likely ever be. That's not really Adam Tony, D'Angelo. uh, Tony D'Angelo's yes. fault. Not his fault. It's just It just happens to be the circumstance he's in. It's unfortunate, and, and I don't want anyone to paint to be like, you guys are libtars, you well, hate Tony. It's, uh, it's not that no, but it's, at all. It's not, even, it's, not even, it's not even unfortunate. If anything, it's, it's fortunate for us that we can have a player like Tony D'Angelo on the roster and be in a position where we could actually talk about trading him. Other teams wouldn't be able to make this move. Not only that, but I think there's a, there's a chance, I and mean, there's just such a slim chance, that they change his handedness and maybe he plays left side. 
I, I don't know. No, they don't have to change his handedness. He doesn't have to all of a sudden learn how to shoot left handed. You can. There's no law that says you can't put a right handed defenseman on the left side. That, that, that's what I mean. I, I meant on the left yeah, side. The New York, New York more, Rangers more are just playing by rules that they've made up. It, it's not like it's it's not like the NHL is requiring teams to dress three left handed shots and three right handed shots. No, it's that's not just a law. What New York Rangers want to do. Yes. But um, Tony, Tony's been a, a phenomenal player all season. I mean, he likes to rile up the Twitterverse, and everyone gets pretty controversial when talking about him. Right. Let's 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 jump in. As much as we can talk about Tony the player, we have to talk about Tony the conversation. Sure. I, and we're going to do this. We're going to we're going to do this once. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Okay. If we quick. spend more than five minutes on this. We apologize. Here's here's what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. He's an asshole. Like just even if you take out the politics, just. Tony D'Angelo has big asshole energy. For me, he's just a potster. Like that—that's more but of that, what it that's is. That's fine. That's fine, right? You take if you don't like him because he's a big MAGA guy. Fine. If you don't like him because he did some real dirty, disturbing shit in juniors, fine. If you don't like him because he will willingly get in your face and call you a piece of shit and mean it and spare no words about it, fine. I'm not telling you to like him as a person. I'm not, at the same time, Ryan, mm-hmm. I am not going to sit here and tell people how to root for the New York Rangers. If you don't ever want to root for Tony D'Angelo, that is your business. That's you. It is not my business. Yep. It is actually nobody else's business. Do whatever the fuck you want. If you want to boo him every time he shows up, give him the middle finger, call him a piece of shit, call him a dirtbag, that is your business. If you want to love him more – for the fact that he's a MAGA guy, he's not afraid to express his beliefs, he stands up for what he believes in, blah, 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 all Please, that Please, go More ahead. I don't care. Nobody should give a shit. Both sides, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Nobody cares. Like, it, I, it, that's, this, a, the, that's the thing, thing you're a fan. Has, Ryan, you're... the worst thing social media has ever done to society is make everybody feel like their opinion matters. You and I understand that our opinions mean dog shit. I think that's and what we've we, been trying to say for many years now. We find it hilarious that people come to us and like ask us for opinions. We're like, all right, we'll give them to you. They don't mean anything, but if you want to hear them, that's fine. The beauty of it is those are our opinions. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with them. Yeah, it's, you don't even have it's to It's really them. nice that you value my opinion, and that means a lot to me. It doesn't mean I'm right, yeah. period. Yeah, no. More times than not, you and I are wrong. Oh, very you often. Me, but definitely both of us. A lot of I just say, like, you know, guys, guys, it's it's simple. However, you want to root for Tony D'Angelo, fucking do it. If you don't want to root for him, fucking don't root for him. I don't care. You're a and fan. You, You're allowed no to like or don't like anybody. Yeah. That's it. The, the the crazy part about it is nobody should. Nobody should. Nobody <laughs> should give a shit if you don't like the guy as much as you should. Nobody should give a shit if you think he's a fucking piece of shit. Like. Neither of you guys just – you don't got to interact, right? <laughs> I just try to have fun, man. I'm just trying to be nice to everybody these days. It's like – I, I really – I don't get it. it, it dude, it, that whole thing lasted three days. I didn't partake in it at all. it was the thing I've ever seen in my life. I didn't want any part of it. It's like – listen, I, I kind of enjoy that Tony does that. I enjoy that he gets out there. He, he's what – I always want my, my athletes to be honest and, and straightforward and – Guess what? Tony's just being who exactly who he is. That's who he is as a person. It doesn't matter what you believe, what he believes in, or all that. But that's just his person. If you don't like him, that's it. It's not a big deal. That, and it, it goes back to the little Twitter beef he and I had once upon a time. 
The most shocking thing about that Twitter beef, I wasn't even criticizing Tony D'Angelo. I thought he was aware that he was an asshole. <laughs> like, it blew my mind that Tony D'Angelo didn't think he has asshole characteristics. Most people that are that outlandish in their behavior like Tony is not only understand they're an asshole, they are proud of it. So I, I didn't realize I was informing him. You, did you check some, his – wait, hold on. Did you check his card? You, the, what's the like, – like a SAG card? So I guess it's AG card, the Asshole Association Guild? I, I'm, a proud, I'm a proud card carrier, Ryan. Yeah, you I, know this. That's why I asked if you checked his card first. I thought, I thought, we, were, I thought we were like – AG's we together. Were, yeah. I, I, I thought he and I understood each other's language. And then, so it, it jumped out to me that he was like, oh, you could call anybody that. Blah, blah. I was like, buddy, it's a term of endearment from one to another. <laughs> Again, we're, you we're part of the so, tribe. Tony D'Angelo is probably not a human being you and I would hang out with in any, in any setting. No, right? there would be a setting where you hung out with him. On this no. podcast, at a bar, at a party. Yeah. Like, the, even outside of hockey, if he's like, Greg Kaplan, do you want to watch a baseball game? I'd be like, fuck you, no, I don't. <laughs> like, well, okay. I don't know what to tell you. It's just, I don't know, guys. At some point, I get it. I, I think you have great reasons if you don't want to cheer for him. I don't think you're any less of a New York Ranger fan if you do want to cheer for him. I got news for both of you. I don't care. Because, at, you know what, Ryan? That's I think it. it's time. That's it. At the end of the day, it doesn't impact me. So I like it's that simple. Um, Whatever your opinion of Tony D'Angelo does not change my opinion of Tony D'Angelo. My opinion of Tony D'Angelo shouldn't change your opinion of Tony D'Angelo. Just do what you want to do. Try to exist in your own space. Right. I, 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 I really, I don't, I, I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear any more about whether you're a good fan, bad fan, this, that, the other. Nobody gives a shit, guys. The only people that give a shit is you because you're talking about it. It's that simple. Let's go to another topic that we'll do. try and do five or less minutes on, and that's that Leah Anderson's agent came out and said that he has no mental health illness and he's not suffering from anything. And then Davidson came out and said, I found nothing in my investigation except for disappointment. Um, I just want to say that I said this on Twitter, but really quick, but the only reason an agent would come out and say that is because there is still stigma against mental health in hockey or in sports in general. And he's trying to maintain the value of his client. Leas clearly said, I don't, listen, I don't know what Leas is going through. I have no idea. I'm just going off what he said. He said mental health, some, some mental, I I don't want to say issues, but he said he was facing some problems. So I'm just going to go by by what Leas said and not his agent. And his agent for me is just protecting him. And that's exactly what he did. I don't think even think Drager like had a problem there by going to release that information. It was willingly said to him by the agent. I didn't see it as like a, a bad thing. I, I, to me, it's just Leas had faced some issues and went back home, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's a problem with that, but I don't think that Drager releasing the information is an issue either. So I know we don't really want to spend a lot of time on the Leas thing, but I don't really see it as a problem. I, I, don't, I don't see it as a problem for Leas Anderson. Whatever Leas Anderson needs to figure out, he knows Please what he needs go ahead. to figure out. Yeah, take all the time in the world you need, buddy. Whatever you have to do, whatever you want to do, it's your life. You only get one of them. Do what you think is best. It's none of our – again, another thing that isn't our business. It's not my what business. What Leah is going through. Um, I understand what the agent is trying to do. Obviously, the agent's number one priority is to make sure his client is his, – his client's value is always at its highest possible point. 
So the agent is trying to quote unquote do damage control. Even if we all as a society, even I know this isn't a thing, but even if all of society was more accepting of mental health crises, uh, the agent would still be saying these kind of things because all it takes is one person to think differently to change a player's stock. Um, I think Drager was a little tone deaf in how he expressed that point. Uh, Maybe the wording was a little bit off, yes. I think the wording was off, but at the same time, I don't look to Darren Drager as someone at the forefront of the mental health conversation. Um, (laughs) Good point. But I I would hope that Darren Drager would understand that's a role he shouldn't be playing. So there, there are ways to relay that information being like, Agent can say the non-diagnosis. Like, Drager didn't have to basically copy-paste the statement from the agent, right? Drager could say, agent says Leas is going through something. He's going to be fine at the end of this. His client just wants to focus on getting back on ice. And, like, then it's, then it's okay, fine, whatever. We're all moving on. That shit we understand, blah, blah, blah. Drager, Drager needs to be a little bit more forward-facing about his lack of awareness on the topic and try to find someone that can help him word that in a more appropriate manner. But Drager doesn't have that much forethought. This is how we ended up here. It is what it is. Uh, Davidson's response, I I mean, I get it, right? Like He found nothing. It's just disappointment is what he said. But it's, it's, it's hard for Davidson to find anything if Leas isn't telling him what to look for. Right? And Leas isn't speaking to anyone except for his agent. Right. Right. So I'm all for getting ahead of the curve and trying to investigate how your organization handled a player in a certain way. Uh, at the same time, you need context clues or an idea of what to look for. No one's going – like – Well, Leas didn't take his phone call. If, if Leas would have took his phone call – and again, there's nothing wrong with Leas not taking his phone call, but then he can get to the bottom of it quicker. No, but it's just like the the whole Akeem Alou thing, people knew what they were looking for, so it became a lot easier to identify. And when one person steps up and speaks out, it becomes easier for the next person to step up and speak out. I don't think I, – I have full confidence that the Carolina Hurricanes did a full background check on Bill Peters the first time they hired him. If nobody was ever going to say a bad word about Bill Peters, it's not the Hurricanes' duty – to go out of their way to find bad things said about them. Like Same thing more. goes for the Calgary Flames. When they hire Bill Peters, if all they're hearing are good things, despite there being bad things under the surface, it's almost – you can't expect organizations to dig for oil all the time. If they like a guy, they're not going to look for reasons to dislike that guy. So you need to you need to be clear and speak up if there is an issue, and that's how these problems get corrected. But – if you're John Davidson and you don't know what issues you're looking for, it's hard to get to the bottom of a hole where you don't even know what the prize is at the bottom. I'm, so, curious, I'm curious this won't be the last time we'll talk about this story. I can only no, assure at, you that. Wait, at, at, I, I was thinking about this more. I, I think we're getting close to a point where the Rangers might just let the clock run out on Leah Anderson and just keep him suspended until his – Entry level contract is up. One more year, like the whole next yeah, year. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure, because, and as dickish as this is, uh, 
if you're the New York Rangers, right, and Leah Sanderson demands this trade and you immediately grant that request, it does set a certain path for players who don't want to go to Hartford, think they're ready for the NHL immediately to all of a sudden follow that same path, knowing the Rangers will accommodate their wishes. And you have Kravstov right there. You don't want to do that. Not not even necessarily Kravstov, but yes, because that also happened this year. It's just, it's a dangerous, if you're Anderson, it's, it's, it's a huge risk to say, I don't want to be here in Hartford because the Rangers truly think they are helping his game grow, whatever it is. So all of a sudden, if Hartford starts looking like a punishment for some young players who have high upside, uh, it becomes very hard to develop anyone in Hartford. So I don't expect Anderson to be traded before February unless the Rangers get blown away. I don't fully expect the Rangers to trade him by the time of the NHL draft. Uh, maybe they'll trade him by opening night, but I, I think if you're the New York Rangers right now, you're just like, it's a broken piece. It's a piece we're not going to get what we want in return for it. We might just let the clock run out on this guy to send a message to other prospects saying, you got to play ball with us. We'll, we'll be happy to play ball with you, but if you're not playing ball with us, then this is the, this is the road you've chosen. Total side note before I get back to Leah's, I got an app update on my phone. My ruler app needs an update. What could need updating on my ruler app? Anyway, back to Leah's. Um, I, I, think, I think we're good on Leah's. Do you have anything else you need to say? This, I, this I, is I, my last point. This is my last point with Leah's. I'm very curious as to know what happened to his feet or ankles and to why he said they're injured and if they, the Rangers knew anything about that at all. If that comes out, that this is a whole different story because I know hockey injuries don't always come out. We've we've heard this a million times, but to him to go back and be like I'm playing, I was playing through two serious injuries or or more than mild injuries, um, that's a concern for me. So I'm well, very... I, yeah, we just we also need to know if he if he's talking about an injury, if he's talking about aches and pains. Yeah, it's a total different thing. Uh, let's yeah. get to the the three headed goalie monster situation. Georgiev getting showcased tonight versus the Islanders. The uh, the Rangers up three one. As you're listening to this, I know it's a podcast, so the Rangers might have won. They might have lost. Who knows? But we'll find out in the next twenty minutes. Um, so far, you've been a hundred percent correct. I've seen. I cannot tell you how many tweets I've seen that say rumors circulating that say the Rangers are going to trade Georgiev to the Leafs for Jeremy Bracco. Um, you said that I, I want to go back to the original date, but I think it was two and a half months ago. Did, it was a long time. Ago. Yeah, it was a really long time ago. When you came up with this idea, did you like message Arvind and 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 who's our our friend, oh. another writer, and go? Uh, you want to you want to know the date because I did mention Arvind before I spoke it into the world. Yeah, because I remember you mentioning you you texted Arvind and you were like, hey. Would this trade work for the Leafs? And now all of a sudden, dude, I cannot escape that Brocco trade. Now, Drew, our, our writer uh, who was on the show last week, Drew Way, and I were discussing this morning. Uh, apparently on the Steve Dangle podcast, they were talking about uh, that Brocco wouldn't be enough for the New York Rangers, which I found interesting uh, because we've no, talked November about it November 18th. You were so early on this, dude. That's like there's, – there's few things you're good at. This is one of them. And – in 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 this case, I'm just curious as to how you came to that final notion or the gut, the dream. What was it? <laughs> well, first first of all, I've said this to people, and it'll be the first thing I ever say. Uh, I don't speak 
just anything into existence. It has to, the message has to arrive to me, and then I am just the vehicle to spread that message. So that, that is the world we live in. I, I am merely a messenger. I, I, am, I am not the source. We're not there uh, yet, but you're very close to making two ridiculously long shot calls happen. Two. With that being said, it's, it's just it's, – it's not that hard, right? It's understanding that a team has a surplus and another team has a surplus and both of those fit each other's long-term paths moving forward. The New York Rangers have too many goalies. They have Shocking. a wonderful problem where they have literally too many good goalies. They have three that need to be on the NHL roster – playing NHL games because none of the three either can't go to Hartford, have no reason to go to Hartford, or is the best goalie of their generation. Like, those are the three things the New York Rangers What have. a problem. It's, it's quite honestly the greatest problem you could possibly have. The only way to alleviate that problem is by turning it it's, – it's the, it's the same Tony D'Angelo conversation we're having, except for some reason it's more palatable. Why, I don't know. Maybe it's because people aren't as high on Georgiev long-term than they are D'Angelo. I don't know what it is. But the New York Rangers have a surplus. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you also have a surplus. You have a player in Jeremy Bracco who has this one thing that he's incredibly good at, which is creating scoring opportunities. It's, it's beautiful. It's too good to be in the American Hockey League. He's proven it's too good to be in the American Hockey League. He put up 79 points in the league last year pretty good any any other team doesn't even allow him to put up 79 points in the american hockey league because by that mid-season point they've already called him up full-time it's what the penguins did with jake gunsel a couple years ago it's what any other team would have done with jeremy brocco but the maple leafs can't because the maple leafs have too many good fucking wingers that play the same side brocco plays He's not better than Marner. He's not better than Janssen. He's not better than Kapanen. And you're not going to play Jeremy Bracco on the fourth line if you're not rolling four lines. And if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have no reason to roll four lines because your three lines are so fucking good. So it's – he's stuck. He's just stuck in limbo. The only way to get him out of limbo is by moving on from him. But if you're the Maple Leafs, you don't just want to move on from him for the sake of moving on from him. You want to move on from him – for something that fills a need for you. And what's the one thing the Maple Leafs don't have? A capable backup goalie. Someone that can give Freddie Anderson the night off and not immediately put you against the pin. It's, it's clear as day. They need a goalie. The Rangers need forwards, specifically wingers. Specifically wingers who could play in the top nine. Specifically wingers who could play in the top nine and can score. I just thought it was really interesting that on the on the Dangle podcast, they said that Bracco wasn't enough. What would you do well, if you I got wonder, Bracco plus? I mean, in a way, we still kind of expect the Rangers to get Bracco plus. The plus we don't expect like a, to be anything like a sexy. Third? Like a third-round pick. Yeah, that maybe, was my gut feel. On the high end. Um, look, if if Steve Dangle wants to give us Janssen or Kapanen for Georgiev, I would be foolish to try to stop him. If he wants to overpay... We should let him. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here on the podcast and be the stubborn guy that says, no, no, I said Bracco, it has to be Bracco. 
by all means, give us more than I think you should for Alexander Georgiev. That is something I welcome with open arms. Uh, I, I just, I'm a little stunned that a Leafs fan podcast would say their top prospect isn't enough. Uh, I was very, I, I was very stunned by that also. Uh, when Drew, it, it, Drew told me that, very, I couldn't believe it. Yes, yeah, it's it, super surprising. Um, again, I I think if you feel if you're the Rangers and you're doing one for one and all you get is Brocco, I bet you feel like you gave up a little too much. Um, but you still just added a depth piece to your team in a, in a section of need, so that's not a, a problem. Des- desperate need, desperate need. And I had this conversation. Boy, I forgot who I had it with today, but I had it with someone. It might have even been. I I I promise I had this conversation. Either that or I had it in my head. I believe right? you. So, if the New York Rangers, the New York Rangers are currently in a position where Kreider's a free agent at the end of the year, sure doesn't look like they're going to re-sign him to a six-year deal. Uh, Ryan Strom is only here for another year tops. I had it with Shayna Goldman. I did have this conversation with Shayna. Okay. Hey, Shayna. There, there's a poss- there's a possibility the Rangers lose two wingers, not including Strom, to unrestricted free agency. Chris Kreider, Jesper Foss. They're both free agents at the end of the year. They could both walk. How do the Rangers replace those guys? Okay, so Kravtsov comes up to fill one need. If you don't add from outside the organization, then your next expectation is that Brendan Lemieux takes a step none of us ever really anticipated him to make. I don't We're not saying that Brendan Lemieux is a bad player. It's more saying that third-line winger who has scoring potential – you shouldn't be asking him to play top six minutes. That's how you create cracks in the armor. That's how you underperform if you think you're a playoff team. It's asking too much from certain guys. Brennan Lemieux was succeeding at what the Rangers were asking him to do this year before his broken hand. The New York Rangers should continue to try to create situations for Brennan Lemieux that mirror that. Asking him to now all of a sudden become a Jesper Fast flex player is too much. He, he can't be that player. That's not who he is. And there's a chance that Jeremy Bracco also isn't that player. But you're at least creating a scenario where you've added something from a surplus position to reinforce your roster in a way you wouldn't be able to do right now. Because, say for example, Ryan, all right, the Rangers don't make moves. So now your three centers on your top lines, Mika, Strom, mm-hmm. Kittle. Fine. That obviously is some form of successful. The Rangers have been successful. But now those six wingers, you're asking Howden, you're asking Lemieux to do things. Say one of them gets hurt, Ryan. You know, Kravtsov no longer is an option in the AHL. You've already graduated him to a much higher leverage situation. Who's the guy that you would expect to not only fill in – but possibly succeed as a fill-in. That's not really that many options. I think Di Giuseppe is a fun, interesting player. That's not like... He's not that guy. I I think uh, Tim Gettinger, Bunieves, they all serve roles. They're not that guy. As much fun as it is to be hyped about the Lori Pugeniemis and Morgan Barons of the world, they're likely not those guys either. So the Rangers' depth at wing... It just doesn't exist. So if you go into the season completely barren underneath what you have in the top nine, 
You're only setting yourself up for failure because it's impossible to expect those six wingers to be healthy for all 82 games. Kreider has missed games. Chris missed a lot of games. Kuchnevich has missed games. Lemieux is missing games. Faust has missed games. Panarin is a god and unflappable. Literally, my, 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 maybe life. my favorite New York star in like 10 years. I'm utterly in love with him. I can't say a bad outside, word. Outside of him, you just – Howden has missed games. Kako has missed games. Yep, blue boys. Like, you need depth. The Rangers don't have it. They have it at every other position but forward. At some point, you need to turn your surplus into areas of need for your team. And that's what Bracco for Georgiev is at its core. Sure, I, I obviously am high on Bracco. I think there's something that could be untapped in his game at the NHL level. If I Bracco, Hedl, Kako for years, sign me up, dude. That sounds so fun. <laughs> Can I just say that saying Bracco, Kako sounds like the most fun of all time? Bracco, Kako. Bracco, Kako. It's great. Bracco, Kako, Robots, meet Bracco, Kako. Rangers. It'll be wonderful. Bronco Cocker Rangers is a great time. They really do. They, let's do some, write, it writes itself. Let's do some five-star questions, then we'll get to our, uh, a quick break, and then we'll go to our friend Jeff, who talks about his experience of being a Devils fan. And he's quite level-headed, and I'm kind of angry about it. Um, five-star questions. If you want to leave a five-star question for the show, you can go to iTunes, search New York Rangers or Blue Breakaway, and we pop right the hell up. All right, first question. You can leave a five-star review, and then we'll read on the show. That's how it goes. FBI 2.0, frequent commenter, says, Hey, guys, great job as always. Thank you, FBI. Uh, the Rangers' success at developing goaltenders is well-documented and discussed. But what other positions, if any, do the Rangers show success at developing? This is a good question. Um, that, that Panarin guy, by the way, just scored. Did he? So 4-1. Yeah. Very nice. All right, well, the, that's a nice uh, – I don't want to say it. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to jinx anything. Um, Panarin, very good. I love him so much. I don't know if the Rangers show success at developing any other particular area. I mean, I guess you could say they, they developed good centers. They did step on, they did Hayes. Hayes just got paid. Um, did they really develop Hayes though? I mean, they, he kind of signed after college. I'm not really sure how you feel about that, but I would say center if the other, if that would be the other option for me, Heedle would be another, a great ex- example of this. Yeah, I, it's weird to say center because, I mean... We've had no centers? That's how it feels. Right. Like, Leah Anderson has left the organization, and Brett Howden is clearly a much better winger than he was a center. Like, like so much better. Yeah. Brett, Brett Howden has proven to be so much more useful on the wing. So much so that it's actually now offensive that the Rangers didn't try this sooner. Like, it kind of, it again, just drives you mad that this was an option for the Rangers, and it took them this long to try it. It's it's weird because you don't want to be mad that the Rangers eventually got to that point. And I guess when you're developing, your lease should just be longer anyway. So maybe you can make the argument that the Rangers waited absolutely as long as possible before moving him to the wing. But, man, could they have taken different chances at center had they just moved out into the wing sooner? But that's neither here nor there. We're here. Let's just be happy that we're here now. That wasn't even the question. Um yeah, it's probably. I mean, it's got to be center if it's not goalie, it's not defense, no, it might, it's not winger. Well, well, it might be right. Well, like, who? Explain. <laughs> none of their own. I mean, historically. Yeah, like, it's it's defense. Ryan, Ryan like, Graves. Like, he's doing really good. He's developed them. Well, no, dude. Once upon a time, I mean, if, if we're talking, if we're talking historically. 
You know, there was a time before the Rangers' defense was bad. There was a time before when Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl was a prime top-pairing defensive unit. I, the Rangers, they made Kevin Klein reasonable for two years. He was quite good. Right? Yeah. Um, I, it's it, it's weird to say that it's probably their defense, but it's probably their defense. Yeah, I guess in the 2000 Cup run, like the 2014 Cup run, the whole thing was like defensive prowess between Girardi, Stahl, and... Rangers. They unearthed something. They unearthed something in Anton Strawman. The Rangers' mistake was that they then wrongly identified that they could do it again. But historically speaking, the New York Rangers have typically been great about identifying defensive players and prospects. Fair. Uh, next question is from Roselle Seven. Why do we never draft any Canadian players in the first round? Do we not scout well in Canada? The last time we drafted a Canadian player in the first round was 2012, and that was Malkorath and Christian Thomas? Question mark. And look how that turned out for us. I feel like we are scared to draft. Canadians in the first round or after the draft. The, the only Canadian player that our team ever uh, that we ever drafted in the first round, and in general, is Mark Stahl. Yet he's a D-man. With that being said, do you think that we will try and draft a Canadian wigger this year, considering the talent level and our needs? I think we draft the best player available. I think. Yeah, it, and it, it's easy to say, oh, the Rangers don't draft Canadians. But again, say 2017 goes differently. I I think you and I are pretty consistent that Leah Sanderson was the third player on the Rangers board. The second player on the Rangers board was a Canadian forward, Cody Glass. So it's right. He's Canadian, right? This is going to be embarrassing if he's not Canadian. I, I'm, right? I'm actually pretty positive he's Canadian. I'm, I'm going to look, but I'll look right now. Go on. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're all high on Robertson, a defenseman from Canadian. God, I hope he's Canadian too. He might not be Canadian. He might I'm be American. Looking up Robertson right now. All right, <laughs> l- let me know. Yep. Hit me up. Yep. I hope he's Canadian. Yep. Uh, Matthew, Robert, Ra- Matthew Robertson, NYR. He was born in Edmonton, Alberta. Yep, you're good. Yeah, there you go. Uh, people are high on him. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's circumstance. I don't think the Rangers are like, we're not drafting Canadians. Our fan base can't accept good Canadians. It's not what the New York Rangers are about. I think New York Ranger fans are pretty uh, clear across the board that we just want good players. We don't really care where they're from. Um, yeah, I just I, think this is how it's worked out. It's uh, that simple. It says, P.S., Greg, I'm rooting for you with Pregnant Meg. That rhymes. Hey. Okay. Oh, LSU. LSU doing something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right, uh, three more questions that we're out of here. Five-star question. Great job. This is from Kako, uh, Praise B 24 Great job, as always, the podcast. One, as of January 8th, Lundquist is sitting at 458 career wins. He's 32 way, wins away from being third all-time in the win list. Conceivably, Lundquist will finish his career third all-time with wins passing Longo, the Longo, but likely not playing enough to pass Roy or Brodeur. How would you rank you know, the t- No, it's Wah. I need you to know it's Why Wah. did I say Roy? I'm an idiot. I'm I, sorry. I don't know. It kind of hurts my feelings that you did. Uh, yeah, it hurts my feelings, too. I'm going to take some shit for that, and appropriately so. Why did I rate Roy? I, I have a problem. Um, yeah. Yes, Wah. Uh, how would you rank your top five goalies of all time? Uh, so this, it's skewed because I, I'm not going to go back to the Ken Dryden's of the world. I didn't see him play... I don't want to speak on it. Hockey was a different game. Rodor has to be in the top five. I don't know. Let, let me try. Uh, Dominic Hasek was one of the most fun and best goalies to watch growing up. Hank firmly in there as number two. I think Mike Dunham is clearly number I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Hasek, Hank. I always had a soft spot for Olaf Kolzig. 
Where do you have Carey Price? Thought he was great. Okay. I thought he was great with the Capitals. Um, I think Luongo is four. And then it basically comes down to how much do I want to buy into the Carey Price hype versus Martin Brodeur. I hate probably, Brodeur. He has to be. I think I think Brodeur is five, and it's just me being a – look, Uncle Uncle Daddy has some good qualities, and we should just give it to him. Yeah. Lundqvist is probably top three for sure in my eyes. I think, I think to me, Hasek and Lundqvist are one, two. Whatever order you want to put them in, I'm comfortable with it. I don't know why. I, think uh, I just – Oh, Patrick Waugh needs to be in that top five, too. Yeah, he does. Kolzig probably, probably isn't in my top five. He's like a personal favorite of mine, but Waugh is probably ahead of – The follow-up, by the way, is – probably definitely ahead of Kolzig. The follow-up appropriate to this conversation is, is there any is there any more overrated goalie in NHL history than Martin Brodeur? Growing up in New Jersey as a Ranger you know fan – You right? Why did I say Martin? Why did I call – idiot, that's <laughs> Reading is so tough. Um, uh, yes, go on. Overrated – it's hard, dude. He it's just really played a hard. different system than everyone else. He, he played with a different trap. system with some great players. At the, he kept it up for a very long time. It, when it fell off, it fell off, but it didn't fall off until that man was like, like 38. 40, I think 30. it was like 40, I thought. Uh, it, it's Is he more – I think Brodor has more things in common with Derek Jeter than he does Ken Griffey Jr. I love that. Like, that. Yeah, like, <laughs> that was quite good. Calling Brodor Derek Jeter isn't an insult to either player. They're both great. It's just we probably remember them being better than they ever were, but they're still both Hall of Famers. That's an incredible it's comp. Unanimous. Uh, to finish this up, keep up the great work, work as always, boys. Go Raiders. Let's go Mets. Keep up. Uh, he says, keep up the great work again. Chris from Florida. He says, by the way, not from Jacksonville. Okay. Ah, my man. All right. St. Petersburg? Uh, I'm going to go St. Petersburg. Two more questions. Uh, safer or softer? Hey, guys, Mike in New Haven again. The game misconduct assessed against Ryan Lindgren the other day got me thinking. We didn't even talk about this this podcast. So I guess it's good we didn't. Is the game getting safer in terms of how it evaluates checking and head injuries, or is it getting softer? Lindgren, Lindgren's hit didn't strike me as dirty, if anything. Scott Stevens regularly delivered the same hits in the 90s, the 2000s. Uh, of course, we don't want any devastating head injuries like the ones that occurred on Lindros or uh, Pat LaFontaine to occur in today's, play, on today's players. But if Lindgren hit was viewed as dirty enough to warrant a game misconduct, what constitutes a clean in today's NHL? I thought it was that's, – That's the thing. It didn't warrant a game misconduct. Yeah, I thought it was – Lindgren left that game because he was put in concussion protocol for Nazem Kadri beating the ever-loving shit out of him. Yes. Lindgren, the hit – I think the hit is within the realm of legality, right? I, I don't think let – me. Let, I'm trying to toe the line here because either people are going to be upset that we're not protecting players' health enough or people are going to be upset that we want to make this game softer than it actually is. Ryan Lindgren didn't go into that hit looking to hit Don Scoy in the head. Yes, it wasn't it an intentional so, dirty hit at all. Right. It just so happened that he did, but there was nothing else Ryan Lindgren could have possibly done in that moment besides not hit Donskoy. Um, and we're not trying to say we should take out hits in general. I, I think it's an unfortunate result of the hit that Donskoy got injured. Um, I, I don't think... The fact that Lindgren is, didn't face any supplemental supplemental disciplinary action 
speaks to how Lindgren did everything humanly possible to deliver a clean hit in that moment. And I think the league was right in assessing that. Uh, I think if more players approach the game like Lindgren versus how the nonsense Matthew Kachuk pulled this weekend in, with Calgary and Edmonton. Now, I'm not here to say Zach Cassian is a saint for ragdolling Kachuk around the ice, but Kachuk's hits were inherently dirty. Like, Kachuk's goal in those moments Kachuk's not the, first hit was incredibly dirty, right. like the, out of this world. Kachuk is making that hit to injure a player, whereas Lindgren is making that hit to stop a play. It's a hockey like, move comparatively to an it, assault. It's totally yes. different. It's, it's like um, if you hit a batter in baseball, it's not because you did it so intentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just trying to pitch inside. There are obvious times where you're trying to hit a guy. And we throw behind sometimes, him. Yeah. Sometimes just you're trying to pitch inside and the ball gets away from you. And I think that has more in common with Lindgren's hit than, say, the hits Kachuk made this weekend. It's uh, – I don't think the league is trying to make the game softer. It's just trying to make the game less egregious, uh, which oddly enough, I think is why the league fucked up by not either fining or suspending Kadri for chasing down Lindgren for a clean hit and then taking Lindgren out of the game. I get that he was given a 10 minute misconduct and given an instigator penalty, but that should have cost Kadri some money, and that that shit is stuff the NHL needs to take out of its game. This last question is uh, is one that is not going to go over well on this podcast, I don't think. That's okay. This is from What cr- yes. What Crap. My perfect podcast checklist includes three things. The Mets, the Rangers, and, and a person ranting about at least one of them. This one checks them all. Love the work. Keep up the work. Keep up. Keep it up. My question is, with the Angeles play this year, would you consider him an elite offensive defense of elite offensive talent on defense. I would say he's not elite, but he's definitely very good. I mean, he's one of the, he's probably one of the best offensive minded defensemen this league can offer. We just wish he was a little bit more responsibly defensively or just even baseline responsible defensively. I'm not asking him to be Eric Carlson. Yeah, he doesn't need he's not Carlson. Carlson to be successful, but if he was like 5% better defensively, God, it'd be it'd be hard to it'd, it'd be hard to keep him off the ice uh, at all times. Um, he would be one of the best players for a long time on this team if he could play above baseline defense. This is the next part that you won't enjoy. Uh, uh, well, b- before before we get to that, I will say there are a couple of people who slid into our Twitter uh, replies this week asking why I don't talk about Southampton as much. Uh, Southampton on a fucking roll, Ryan. Okay, let's so finish this, then you can finish with that. One second. Fair. Fair. Uh, that, then I'll let you roll, I promise. Uh, okay. Additionally, if, man, if management were to decide to extend him long-term and trade Jacob Truba, where could you see him going and for what? I heard Vegas only has one right-hand defenseman, and Peyton Curbs is very good, but their cast base is probably an issue. It's from Dan from L.A. I don't think they're going to trade Truba despite uh, despite nothing. They're, they're not trading him. They're just not happening. Truba's a... As good of a season that D'Angelo is having offensively, Truba's been the better defenseman. And at some point, you like you have to play defense. You have to play defense a little bit, right? And it's again, as great as D'Angelo has been, this is a team that has two quality right-handed defensemen that can play on the power play if they 
if the Rangers are so pleased. They already do. They just play on the second unit. But there's nothing keeping Truba off the first unit. There's nothing keeping Fox off the first unit. Like, again, we like what Tony D'Angelo is doing this year. It's just, it's an embarrassment of riches what the Rangers have on the right side of their D. And it, it's just clear to me that Tony D'Angelo is the third most important person on the right side. Again, if the New York Rangers want to play in a world where the right-handed defensemen are allowed to play on the left, this is a different conversation. We just don't live in that world. It, it's, I don't know, it's difficult. Uh, I don't see, one, I don't see any scenario in which the Rangers trade Jacob Truba. Two, I don't think the New York Rangers would ever get back um, equal value in a Jacob Truba trade. And three, you can get back equal to better value in a Tony D'Angelo trade so easily that, again, it, that should be the deal you should be making if you're going to trade a right-handed defenseman. Because, again, he's your third best on that side of the ice. Um, let's go to a break, Come and we'll go to Jeff, and oh, we'll come okay. back. And, and, yes, I know. Uh, we'll come back and do Southampton. Conference Championship Week is here. Four teams, two games, so little time left in the season. Don't miss out. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, DraftKings has great promotion running every single day. From odds boost to free bets, they have it all. This week only, bet any star player to score a first TD of the game with 10-1 to 1 odds. It doesn't bet, get better than that. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe and secure betting app. That's good. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering the best sign-up offer to date right now. You won't want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up for a limited time. All new users get a sign-in bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out and sign-up bonuses up to $1,000. Don't forget the code is QUICK and sign up your bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Must be 21 year old or New Jersey only. Bonus comp, uh, comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100-Gambler. Back to the show. Hey, we have our first guest and resident Devils fan of a uh, frequent guest of the Butcher's Breakaway whenever we want any Devils takes because Keith is uh, no longer a Devil and also, I don't know, doesn't really talk to us a lot lately. Or me, rather. I'm sure he, him and Greg text daily. Uh, Jeff, say hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being on, uh, especially after your uh, – so many tragedies you've faced in the past few weeks. There's so much to go through from the beginning of the season. Let's start with drafting Jack Hughes. Since then, it's, you've gone really downhill. How's that feel? Um, it feels pretty good. I think I think the kid's going to have a bright future. He's He's been okay this year so far. Hasn't really broken out. But, you know, he's only going to get better with age, so I still like the pick. Okay. Well, that's not the response I wanted, but that's okay. Um, so then you I'm fa- not going to give you anything else. Okay. Well, the injuries. What's what's going? Actually, let's let's get this let's get this forwarded out here. Um, what's going on with Jack's injuries? And because I haven't really been following why he hasn't been playing. Um. So they're they're calling in an upper body. Uh, I don't really know exactly anything more than that. It seems to have taken place during the Bruins game uh, a few weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, or so. Uh, I would guess that he just kind of got hit a bit hard on this one particular check behind the net by Chara, and maybe he's got some bruises or something that they're just waiting to heal. There's no real need for him to be playing right now, so um, they're probably just being precautionary with it, and he'll come back whenever he's ready to come back. Are you saying we can't rule out the possibility that he's just a chicken shit and doesn't want to play Capococco? I highly doubt that that's the case. I don't know. But you're, but the, you're saying we can't rule it out. There's a lot of evidence. 
I'm I'm saying if I said to rule it out, you guys wouldn't rule it out anyway. So what's the point? It's probably fair. Where were you the moment you you read (laughs) that your GM was fired uh, and like or let go or mutually agreed to part ways? I can't figure out which one it is. Uh, It happened. Well, he definitely got fired. The mutually thing is just it's a nice nice way to put it. Uh, I found out because Greg texted me. Oh, Shiro got fired. And then, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm working. So, you know, nobody was expecting news. So I'm not really checking my phone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's out. Um, don't really know what's going on. Um, I'll leave you guys to your questions about it. Um, but really just shocked more than anything. But it's, in, in my mind, like, not the worst idea, but also not the best right now. It just seems odd to me that you would – you would allow Shiro to make the trade, the Taylor Hall trade. You trust him to identify the best trading partner for your organization's most important trade chip. You allow him to do that, and then you give him his walking papers not soon after. It, it, not, it, it's, it's like a catch-22, right? There's no such thing as a good time to trade your general manager. and Trade? I, I just – oh, or fire your general <laughs> I was like, where do you go? Um, <laughs> hey, look, general yeah, – What do we get back in return? Yeah, what do we get for Shiro? Right. Maybe, maybe common sense and decency. I don't know. Probably trailing. It, just, it, it, it seems weird that an organization would fire their GM after such a short period of time between that trade happening and uh, the obvious firing. Like, what – if anything, the Devils were playing better since the trade – question mark yeah but it's not like any of the pieces in the trade are are on the ice it's the only thing that's changed since the trade is that hall's no longer out there and then the more time goes on and the more the team seems to play better um you start to wonder whether or not he was an issue or he was the issue that was kind of Stopping this team from taking the next level, but that's a that's a whole different conversation. But that is a hot, is that a hot take? Because I feel like it is. That's, that's not a hot take. I mean, who's who's not thinking that at this point? Everybody's talking about how Nico has more confidence. How the team just seems to be playing with a different type of energy. That could go along with the coach leaving as well, because it kind of happened about the same time. Um, but allow me allow me to tinfoil hat this this Shiro thing because mm, there is some logic together. to why he would be let go now after the Hall trade, after getting rid of Hines. Like, what's what's really going on here? So, like, a few theories that I would have was that it's just kind of fallout from the Hines deal. Um, it seemed like Hines kind of got longer, a, a bigger chance than he needed to, uh, to to prove himself here. And a lot of people felt he should have been fired in the first two weeks of the year. He's eventually let go in December. Um, or late November, I can't remember the exact date. Uh, but it, it, from things that I've heard from a certain ex-player and other stuff, it seemed like Ray and, and Hines were pretty tight. It's one of his guys from Pittsburgh. Ray came over. He bring, uh, you know, Johnson gets promoted to, uh, or Sullivan gets promoted to the NHL. Hines is now the AHL coach. He brings him over. And now he's the head coach in New Jersey. So they're buddy-buddy from back in the day. And, you know, you're never going to find somebody in the league who's going to say a bad word about John Hines. He's apparently the nicest guy that's ever existed, which is why he keeps getting chances. We got another job um, immediately. 
immediately with somebody that he knew from college. Like, he was, like, his college roommate or, like, on his college. Old boys club, baby! Yeah, so anyway, uh, maybe it was a situation where Ray didn't really want to let go of Hines, um, and now they're searching for a new coach, obviously, for the team, so there has to have been some discussions about what the future of the team holds. Um, And it seems that Ray had a different idea for where the team is at than where ownership wants the team to be at. So that timing kind of makes sense. Regardless of what happened with the Hall trade, I think you have to keep him on to make that deal. If you bring in a new GM or Fitzgerald is the interim GM, is trying to make your trade your most valued asset. I don't think that's the best interest of anybody in that situation. I I don't know what the return would look like if you had somebody just kind of filling in trying to get the shit done. I feel like the other GMs would kind of hold you over a barrel. Um, and then with the upcoming trade deadline and, and trying to figure out what you're doing with the future, what your head coach is going to look like, is it going to be, you know, an old guy or a new kind of interesting hire that might be out of left field? Who knows? Um, is it going to be an ex-player? Is it going to be somebody with experience? Um, you kind of want to be on the same page with that. And I think you would want the guy who's making your deadline deals to be on the same page with you. So if he's got a different opinion about certain players on the team, whether or not they should stay, whether or not they're part of the future, um, or kind of how aggressive you're going to be in this situation, I think you need to have at least somebody who's on the same page as ownership uh, during the deadline. So I think that's why it kind of makes sense it happened now. That's kind of the weird thing about Shiro, though, right? In hindsight, a lot of the deals he made – haven't worked out the way you would hope if you're the New Jersey Devils. At the same time, it's not like Ray Shiro has made a necessarily bad move, right? It's like, if if you're the Devils, do you do the P.K. Subban deal again? Well, you didn't give up anything to get him, so probably. If you're the Devils, do you do the Gusev trade again? Well, yeah, he's he's playing, maybe maybe he didn't break out the way we thought he would, but he's still playing solid. Do he's you not playing give... real right now. He's been on a tear the last, like, 15, 20 games or so, but do you, and his five-on-five numbers yeah, are way too but just like You run down the move. Like The Sammy Vatanen deal, for the most part, has worked out for the New Jersey Devils. Wayne Simmons on a one-year deal, that's a no-risk move. It's not – Simmons hasn't necessarily played the way you would expect him to play as well, but, again, it's a one-year $5 million deal because you had the cap space, so what does it even, what does it even hurt? I guess if there's any mark against Ray Shiro – it has to be the whole entire goalie situation, right? At some point, something had to be done, and yet it seems like nothing was done. Everybody knew this was going to be a weakness. Everybody knew this was a need they needed to address, and yet it wasn't addressed. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest black eye on him right now, and and that also might point to where the timing comes up because Corey Schneider just got called up for last night's game but didn't play. Um, Domingue still did, so maybe some decision about what to do with him or if he should stay or if he should go or we're trying to bury salary or whatever the, whatever the hell is going on. Um, I don't know what, what that deal is about. But it's not just that he didn't address the goaltending this season. He didn't address it last offseason either. And like you're saying, I, I disagree with you on whether or not most of his deals have panned out. Um, I think the – Trade that hasn't worked out the most for him that you like to bring up is the Grabner trade, where Grabner just did nothing for us. Um, 
and you guys got Rykov plus a pick that you traded away and Rykov. Well, I was, Rykov, I, 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 was actually, I was, I was uh, trying to be so complimentary of most of his moves. It's he, he made good moves that you would yeah, expect to work all, out. They just haven't worked out. I, I think he's, as far as trades go, I think he's crushed all of them. Like I said, the Grabner one, whatever, it's still worth a shot. But, like, he seems to have won every single one. He made a good, you know, gave up Henrik for Botman. He gets Palmieri for picks. He got Johansson for picks. He got uh, Subban for basically minor picks and salary. Like, he, he's winning most of the deals that he's done. Obviously, the Hall won as well. But it's it's kind of the free agency thing that has really been, like, his, his failing point. Um, they go to the playoffs two seasons ago. Do you know what they did the next offseason? Who they added in free agency? Uh, nobody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say no Essentially, one. yeah. They got Curtis Gabriel and they got Eric Griba, and I think those were the two biggest free our, agency. Our statement stand. They had that offseason. Yes. Yeah. So they make the playoffs by a single point on the second to last game, game of the season. Paul wins the MVP. Kincaid has an incredible run because Schneider was – off the face of the planet two years ago, no less. And then that offseason, they do nothing with the goaltending. They have Blackwood in the pipeline. And Schneider goes down to start the year. Kincaid struggles. And then January 3rd comes around. And guess what happens? The team is, hold on, I read down here, 15, 17, and 7 to start the season. Nothing has been done about goaltending. Hall's kind of struggled to start. He's about to get injured or, or soon uh, or was recently. And they give Hines a two-year extension when the team is playing its worst hockey since he took over with a team that went to the playoffs the year before. Right. And they give him a two-year extension. We lost Greg, by the way, for like a couple seconds. I'm sure he's coming back right now. No worries. I got time. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to. Keep going. I got. I, got, oh, I heard I extended for two years. I got booted. It's all good, man. Beginning of January, teams in the shitter, not looking great for the playoffs. Hall goes down. They lose the rest of the season. Hines would have been, you know, expiring at that that point anyway. But they gave him a two-year extension at that time. It doesn't make any sense. It only points to the fact that Shiro really thought that Hines was his guy, and they were in it, like, for the long haul. And then apparently it came out today that Friedman reported that Shiro also got a four-year extension around that same time last year. Oh, for real? So clearly at some point, the ownership thought that this is like, you know, the path they're headed on. It's just kind of a rumpy, bumpy start to the season. Um, and they're, they're going to figure it out. And then they get really aggressive in this offseason. That's what the biggest excitement around the Subban thing was not just that he was coming, but that it seemed like the team was going to be aggressive and make a push to be, you know, a playoff team rather than just, you know, a kind of borderline thing. Like they're trying to add pieces. Then they get Gusev, like – which is turning out great, but, like, you know, obviously we wish the team was in a better spot. And they struggled to start the season. And Hines should have been let go away earlier, and he wasn't. And I think that they kind of held on up. Chiro kind of fought for him too long, and then just disagreement where the team is at. And, Greg, you, we were tweeting about this um, a while ago after the Hall trade. I sent you a video of Shiro on the intermission report talking about the return that they got, and he said, like, some pretty alarming things which kind of indicated to the fact that, like, he didn't think that the, at the end of this great offseason that they had, he didn't consider the team, like, a contender or, like, a playoff contender at the very least. He called, like, Hall's MVP thing, like, just, like, a great story for the team and, like, 
not really referred to him as like a cornerstone of like what they were building. He said he said that they were going to offer him. He they were going to offer him a one or two year deal. Yeah. Are you nuts? Doesn't make any any sense. He's the best player that we've had in the last decade. And you just, I mean, well, Kovalchuk was kind of in that decade. Um, but he's, you don't get players like this all the time, and you're going to offer him a one- or two-year deal, like regardless of his salary, you don't even do like a starting point, like consider maybe like four or five at the very least. Not, not even that. It's just, it's like a, it, it's a stubborn acknowledgement that you don't care what the market is. You offer what you want, and you the player either better accept or you're just going to be better off without him. Like, it's one thing if you think that Taylor Hall only has one or two Taylor Hall-esque seasons in him. I, I guess you can make that argument, but there are zero scenarios in which that man accepts any contract under six years. That's that's his market. And if you were worried about him not accepting the short-term deal you thought he was worth, you should have been shopping him a lot longer than before the season started. Yeah, it, it doesn't It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense so, at all. So do you think that Rashiro at some point was like, okay, Schneider's going to get back to what uh, he used to be, which was uh, an elite goaltender at one point in time five years ago or four years ago, whatever it was at this point? Is that a question? I guess so, yeah. You, I was asking <laughs> if you if you think that, that Shiro was – was that like – was his logic against going to get another goalie? There, well, the, the real problem is that is the Blackwood situation. Either he's got to be the starter in the AHL, or if he's going to be platooning with Schneider in the NHL, you have to have, like, a veteran guy already in the AHL to call up whenever to rely on. Because there's no way that all, both goaltenders are making it 82 games. It just never happens. You never, literally never see that. And they didn't do something about it until not only was it because Schneider was struggling – and then Blackwood was struggling as well to start the season, but he's he's gotten better and has been playing pretty well before his most recent injury. Um, so it got me started on why they played him the other night. Um, but then they trade for Deming, who's nobody. They literally gave up nothing to get him. The conditions on the pick that they did give up were that he needed to play seven games. So for the first six games that he was playing for us, he was essentially free. Um, so for some reason we're just picking things up off the, the scrap heap um, and just putting them out on the ice, and and that's the NHL team that we're uh, we're fielding these days. Is that the NHL team that led up the first hat trick from a defenseman from the New York Rangers since 1995, and <laughs> Brian Leach? Uh, that would be the one in the same. Very nice. What was that like uh, getting the legend Tony D'Angelo, New, uh, New Jersey's finest, just shoving it down your throat? Was it good for you? Actually, was not watching the game that night. Oh, okay. I don't what I was doing, That's a so. good, uh, probably a good idea. It was a, a wonderful game, but probably not for you. But you did have the opportunity to beat not only Tampa Bay, oh, but I was the King. In, in fact, well, you know that's a nice brag. Uh, I, I went. I went to the Big Snow in the Meadowlands, and it was very mediocre. Oh, okay. Well, shout out to the Meadowlands. Um, you also beat the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Capitals back to back, which is also an accomplishment. So I guess this season, what I, I took I. Put a bow in this conversation. Rather, is what is the future, or, or is there a new GM they're looking at, or what's the plan now for the Devils, who are obviously going to be competing with the Rangers for the last spot in the Metro this year? That, that's that's really um, like my only main gripe with the firing is just like a what now type thing. Um, I Seems think like you have that, no plan in place. 
Yeah, there, there seems to be nobody at the helm of the ship right now. I guess I guess it's Tom Fitzgerald. Lost Greg again. Um, and maybe Martin Brodeur is like the new GM. How is how is Marty tricked himself into being a GM? If well, he, he was an assistant GM slash scout for St. Louis briefly after he retired with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has been doing some hockey ops things with us this year. But other than that, no real qualifications, which, I mean, who does know what they're doing in the GM world? Not a anyway, lot. Like six, six guys. So it's, I would just like to see some sort of figurehead that is having a plan of where they want this to be. Um, keep in mind that our owners are uh, include Josh Harris, who also owns the 76ers, who were part of the team that did the process. Now, the Devils did not purposefully do the process, it seems. But, but they, they kind of did. Away, uh, with enough number one overall picks that, sure, why not? Um, and then also no coincidence that it was um, – Sam Hickey and Rogero are not there to see out their, the fruits of their labor. So um, I don't know what's going on, but I would like to see somebody kind of take the reins, and hopefully Fitzgerald can guide us. And uh, the, the good thing is that the, the problems I have are not with the play on the ice right now. The, the players seem to be playing better. Um, Nico's going off. Gusev is going off. Hopefully Jack will get back out there and he can develop a little more. Um, so it's not actually stuff on the ice. Salary cap situation is fine. Um, Schneider and uh, Subban seem to be like the only major gripes there, but there's so much other space that it's not even worth worrying about right now. Um, so it's not like we're left with like our pockets turned out, but I just don't know where, where we're headed from here. But hopefully it's to another number one, number one overall pick. Well, I'll be extremely upset. Like I can't even tell you the amount of upset I'll be if you get a top three pick this year. It's just going to be – I don't know if we could be friends anymore, Jeff. Just I do love you a lot, but it just feels like it's wrong. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Now, that's uh, fair trade-off. That's true. Now, us getting a number, a number one or overall two overall pick, I'll be okay with that, as you probably knew. Gregory, are you okay and back? Probably not. Okay, sounds good. Well, Jeffy, I'd like to uh, end this conversation with you, and I've had a pleasurable time talking about the Devils. I wish you all the best of luck, except for Jack Hughes, moving forward. And, uh... We play one more time this season. Is that is that the, the facts, or are we, are we done with the season series already? I, th- I think there might be one more at, at Newark. I think there's one more in Newark. Correct, Jeff. Thanks so much for coming on. Do you have anything to plug before you go? Thank you for having me. No, that's it. Go Devils. Sounds good. Love you, buddy. Fuck the Devils. <laughs> Bye. Okay, that was a great interview with Jeff and uh, Greg. I'm going to let you do your Southampton rap at the end of the show here. Uh, I, I'm going to be. They're just on fire, dude. It's it's that simple. We so really don't have. You're, to go- you're not getting regulated. Uh, Right now, I think the Southampton is closer in points to uh, playing in Europe than they are to relegation. They've been on a tear. They've been beating teams they have no right beating. Uh, But more importantly, Carlos Beltran, because that's what I want to end with. Okay, cool. (laughs) I I just want to remind every Yankee fan out there who gets it to this point in the podcast, if you want to shit on the Mets for hiring Carlos Beltran, just remember that the team the Mets had to ask permission to hire Beltran was the New York Yankees. And you can say that he was in front office. You can say that he wasn't. You can't tell me, Ryan Mead, mm-hmm. that Carlos Beltran just learned sign stealing techniques when he got to Houston, and that he didn't use seems any like, of those techniques. Seems like it was probably something that was going on for a long time, doesn't it? He seems like a smart enough guy where he didn't just roll out of bed one day and be like, you know what I'm going to do? 
So they have stealing sides. Yeah. Uh, I just Yankee fans, calm down, relax. I to to most Yankee fans' credits, I don't see a lot of them saying anything. They're kind of letting the sleeping dog lie. But to the mouthy Yankee fans who like to go, oh, 26 rings, even though they're unprompted, just know, motherfucker, that Beltron played for you late in his career. Beltron was a valued member of their front office just last season, and that the team the New York Mets asked permission to talk to Beltron from were the New York Yankees. So, like we said earlier in this podcast, shut the fuck up. That's not <laughs> how I feel, but I'm not even a Yankee fan, so that's good. Huge Yankee fan, rather. Okay. Um, also, I, also, I would bet at least $50 right now that whenever baseball reinstates A.J. Hinch, he lands in the New York Mets organization. Yeah, that's a really good bet, and that's something you'll make happen on your own, and I, I believe it. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. He does all the tweeting from there, and I do all the tweeting from Orion Mead. You can also follow our good friend Drews underscore Way. He does a lot of great work for us, and appreciate him so much. Uh, I want to thank all our supporters uh, and everyone that messaged me and said really nice things about me being married today. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. I want to thank Eric. I want to thank Ben Weber. I want to thank uh, Benjamin Waters, Tory for Manhattan. There's so many people I want to thank. Thank you, everyone, for supporting us for all these years. And we'll be back next week. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.